The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my new friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. It's my rifle, it's my gun, this is for Firearms Friday. Oh, baby. Firearms Friday. Your chance to sound off on issues of a... Two-way nature right here on The Michael Luke Show. Oh, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator and live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com where you'll find the audio-only live stream, which is also available on TuneIn Radio, by the way. I don't have my own app, but you can use the TuneIn Radio app for that. Also, of course, available on podcast at... CastBox, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And finally, available on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, where you'll find links to the social media sites on my website as well. Uh, We're sitting out, hanging out with the chat room right now uh, this morning as we simulcast the radio show on uh, on the Facebooks and the YouTubes and the Twitches. Hey, how are you guys doing? It's uh it's Friday, man. T G I F F. Thank goodness it's Firearms Friday. Uh it is 2 hours uh of conversation and discussion related to the second amendment and gun rights and the gun culture and pretty much everything else uh, related to firearms and uh it's uh, what I like to call my weekly therapy session. I get a chance to just, I just get a chance to riff on something that's important to me. And I hope that you, um, I hope that you are ready to, uh, you're ready to go and uh, ready to, to buckle up, buckle up, buttercup. It's about to be good. Yes, I know it's a little cold. Everybody in the chat room is talking about the, uh, I had the window cracked here in the studio and uh, a little chilly here in this morning in the studio. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, it, it's like the evenings, it gets nice and summery. And in the mornings, it just reminds you that Alaska hates you. That's what's exactly what's going on. Alaska just hates you. I don't know what's happening, but uh, hopefully we get a little bit of summer this year. I'm fingers crossed trying to get it done. Okay, what's on the program for today? Well, joining us in about uh, 10, 12 minutes, we're going to be joined by uh, Rob Pincus from the Personal Defense Network, Ice Combat Training, Walk the Talk America, uh, uh, Vidity Arms. The guy is wearing so many hats, he makes me look like a piker. I mean, I feel like I'm busy and that I work a lot of hours. This guy lives a lot of I mean he is like he I don't even know how he has any time to do anything let alone come on this little old low budget radio program and talk with us. But he's going to be joining us to talk about uh the PDN tour for this year, where he's going, what he's doing. He's going to talk about some of the latest and greatest hits of what's coming out in the gun culture and what's been happening in firearms news and more. 
And uh, we'll be talking with him about uh, the SCOTUS decision. We haven't talked to Rob in quite a while. So it's been a while since we've had a chance to talk to Rob Pincus. And we will uh, we'll kick things off with that here in just in just a minute. Uh, just a minute. It's going to be fun. Um, <clears throat> yes, it's Friday. I'm wearing shorts, says Jeannie. Me too. Wearing shorts. Or it, it, as far as you know, I'm wearing shorts uh, because it's from the chest down. You can't see me. Uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's Friday. It's ready to go. So we're going to hit on some headlines, Rob Pincus, few more things for discussion. And then we're going to finish up the show with Willie Waffle, uh, who's going to hit us with the weekend entertainment and movie review and all that kind of, I'm kind of excited because extraction comes out this weekend. That's extraction two. Sorry. That's the. I mean, if you want to see the gunfu and, and and action and combat and explosions and car chases, that's the movie for you as far as I'm concerned. If you haven't watched the first one with Chris Hemsworth, you know, Thor, um, if you haven't watched Extraction on Netflix, you're missing out on one of the, I think, one of the best action movies to come out in a long time. I mean, it's like if 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 you gave me a choice of like John Wick and it'd be a hard thing. John Wick, Extraction, they're all good, but uh, they're they're on par with each other. Great great action movie. Uh, and so I'm excited to talk with Willie about that, and of course some of the other stuff. Michael Keaton coming back as Batman, and yada yada yada. So we'll be doing that at the end of the show. So let's hit the let's hit some headlines. Speaking of movies, um. The whole discussion around Rust is up in the air again. Rust, of course, is the film where actor Alec Baldwin, actor and anti-gun activist Alec Baldwin, um, killed and shot the director of photography on the, sh- on the set um, while <clears throat> uh, basically um, sticking to his tune of innocence and the fact that he says he never pulled a trigger, which, I mean... The gun mystically went off, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we know the charges had been dropped against uh, Alec Baldwin, although there might be some news on that as well. Meanwhile, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, the armorer on the set, is now on the hook for this, uh, I think, manslaughter is what they're charging her with right now. Uh, but so far, the news that's coming out of these uh, proceedings is not looking very good for her, uh, as it seems, according to the prosecutors, the day before the day of the shooting was preceded by, well, according to them, one hellacious night. The weapons super, uh, supervisor, according to the New York Post, the weapons su- uh, supervisor on the set of Rust was likely hungover. When she loaded a live bullet into the revolver used by Alex Baldwin, who then accidentally shot and killed a cinematographer, prosecutors in the case are alleging. Hannah Gutierrez-Reed was reportedly drinking alcohol and smoking marijuana in the evenings while the movie was being filmed. The prosecution said last Friday in response to a motion her lawyers filed seeking to dismiss the involuntary, uh, the involuntary manslaughter charge against her. Prosecutors also say they will decide whether to recharge Baldwin within the next 60 days based on findings of an analysis of the gun and its broken spear by an independent expert. I don't know what it means by the broken spear, but there you go. In their response, prosecutors claimed Gutierrez-Reed has a history of reckless behavior 
and should finally be held accountable for the safety of the public. Although a history of reckless behavior since Rust uh, had, I mean, Gutierrez had only been the movie armorer on, had only worked as a movie armorer on one other movie before being hired for the production of Rust, uh, which again, a history I think has to, it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, it's interesting that they, I, I don't know, maybe they wanted to, maybe they wanted to, maybe she was hired over more experienced armorers because somebody thought they could bully her into cutting corners. I, I just, I don't, it's just, I don't even know. Now, as far as the assertion that she was drunk and, and using marijuana, et cetera, et cetera, marijuana is legal for rec recreational use in New Mexico where the shooting happened, and so is alcohol. Um, her using both in and of itself is not illegal or necessarily, I guess, problematic overall, although there may be, maybe there's federal implications. I don't know as far as since she didn't, she wasn't owning a gun. She wasn't shooting a gun. She was handling it. I don't know. There, there. This is a very gray area in federal law right now um, for many people who uh, who don't own a gun or who are not owning a gun, but maybe are using one. I, I just don't know. But it's going to be a pretty tall order. Prosecutors are going to have to show that she was actually drunk the night before, or I guess drunk or stoned. And that they're also going to need to show that she was so hungover that she couldn't make sound decisions. That's a pretty high bar as far as proving that uh, in the thing. But again, we don't know what evidence is there. We don't know what's happening. Um, what I, Again, what I found interesting was that they are talking about refiling, potentially refiling charges against Baldwin. Um <clears throat> who, uh, despite his protestations that he didn't pull the trigger, the evidence makes a pretty compelling case that he actually did. But um, anyway, it's, again, still a tragedy. This whole thing is just such a mess. Um, but it has done at least one good thing, and that is pretty much silence Alec Baldwin from his inane blatherings on anti-gun control stuff. So that's... Uh, that's that's the good news. Uh, we'll see what's happening with this, and I'll we'll try and pay attention to see what's going on. Um, but I don't think that uh, Gutierrez Reed should be hung out to dry solely alone for this. It uh, yeah, we'll but we'll we'll see we'll see what the day shall bring. Uh, we'll see what uh, what happens there. Um, <laughs> it's just so 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 crazy. We hear about all these things, you know, uh, a shooting happens somewhere and the Democrats immediately jump up and down about how we need all these things, whether it's universal background checks or magazine bans or, um, you know, assault weapons bans or all these things. Many things of which have absolutely nothing to do with the shooting at hand uh, and would have not prevented the incident that is highlighted in the news at the moment. But they just, they have a talking point. They have a box of stuff to talk about, and they're going to bring it out every time something like that comes about. One of the things that we continue to talk about, uh, we on the gun side, the gun culture side, is that we really need to address some of the uh, mental health issues and aspects of this thing. And that you already have laws on the books, and you should use them to stop some of the things that are going on. 
Well, this is exactly what happened this week. Um, Police in Las Vegas may have thwarted a mass shooting this week when they took a 33-year-old man into custody who'd threatened to carry out the Mandalay Bay Massacre Part Due. Uh, and it turns out that the uh, state of Nevada had the opportunity to keep this guy behind bars last year and didn't do it. Authorities say Matthew DeSavio had posted several threats to social media several hours before the Vegas Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup, uh, including threats of basically coming here and telling them they needed to bring police officers and everything else. He was taken into custody after showing up at a Las Vegas business where somebody called police to inform them and he was making the same threats in person. But see, it's not the first time that they had encountered this guy, the police had encountered this guy, nor is it the first time he's allegedly threatened an act of mass violence. They actually had him in custody last year, but were forced to let him go several months later. A judge ruled that they had held him too long without transferring him to a treatment facility, and so they released him. And yet all the gun control people Continue to insist that we don't really talk. We don't need to talk about mental health. It's only the gun. It has nothing to do with the, the thing and the other thing and the deal. Although he's been threatening things, there was no report that he was arrested with a gun that I could find. Uh, maybe somebody else can point that to me if they saw it. Nevada has a red a red flag law in place, although it doesn't look like that he's ever been a recipient of an e, uh, ERPO, which is an extreme risk protection order, a red flag law. He had threatened to detonate a bomb on the Las Vegas Strip to crash his vehicle into the Mandalay Bay Hotel and many other things. But it just, you know, this is, again, another failure of government. Remember the Sutherland Spring shooting in Texas? The guy who got the AR-15 after being dishonorably discharged from the Air Force? He should not have been eligible for that. Um, the 27, uh, the 27, um, uh, different incidences where police and federal FBI and local police had uh, contact and had had this guy for the Parkland shooter in custody or in their holding area or in their briefing room talking to him about it, all those things. This is not about the gun, folks. I mean, we've got, again, continuing incompetence at what's going on here. Uh, it's just, you know, but we should have a conversation about mental health. And that's why I'm happy to bring Rob Pincus on, because he's, again, part of Walk the Talk America. And we're going to continue a lot of those discussions as well this morning. OK, we're uh, coming up on it. we got to go. So don't go anywhere. We'll continue. It is Firearms Friday. Your chance to um, your chance to sound off on issues of a two-way nature. Ready to go. Let's get things going on. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio, The Michael Duke Show. Back with more and Rob Pincus right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Well, howdy, howdy, howdy. It's Friday, TGIFFF. Thank goodness it's finally Firearms Friday. Rick says he's looking forward to hearing from Brady. What is the matter with you, man? What is the matter? There's something wrong with you. Um, 
Mm, okay. Typo. Broken sear pin. Oh, is that what it was, Jeannie? Broken sear pin. Okay. I'm sure that's because we were talking about how, um, well, I closed the story, that they may recharge him broken over a broken sear pin. Okay. Um, naturally, they go after the what? The Latian chick? The la oh, is it? It's Latin. He meant Latin. Boy, the autocorrect is killing it today, isn't it? Autocorrect is absolutely killing it today. Uh, I'm thinking that Brian said naturally they go after the Latin chick, not the Latian chick, because that's a whole different thing, right? Uh, Greg says he finally found his glasses so he can actually read the comments today. <laughs> this is hashtag old guy problems. Hashtag old guy problems. Can't find my can't find my deal. All right. Well, that's it. You guys have been pretty quiet this morning. There's not a whole lot of you today. It's Friday. And uh, Friday is usually a little slower for interaction in the chat room. Um, but it's. Uh, man, I'm so ready for the weekend already. Not that it's been a hard week. Ah, I was just I was sick on Monday, not feeling it, and it's taken me all week to try and kind of get back up to speed. And now it's the weekend, and I plan on sleeping most of it away. My wife says, "What do you want to do on Father's Day? Sleep? Can I just sleep the whole day away? That's kind of what I'm just trying to get caught up. Trying to get caught up. Although they say that you can never catch up on missed sleep." That you can never, that, you know, you can't, it's a myth that you can, you know, stay up super late one night and then catch up by sleeping a couple extra hours each night in the proceed. They say that's just a myth. It doesn't work that way. Although if that's the case, uh, why am I not dead? Uh, because, I mean, <laughs> you know, there's been so many nights where I've had very little sleep and I feel like I need to catch up. I mean, why have it just not caught up with me at this point and been like, you're, you know. I don't know. Rick said it's the cloudiness that makes us makes you all you guys quiet. Need more coffee. I mean, I'm not opposed to more coffee. That is uh, that is a good situation. All right, let me. Uh, I don't see. Um, um, I don't see Rob yet in the green room. So let me send him a message to make sure that he is in route for what's going on. Okay. Oof. All ready for Friday. Weather in Sterling on Sunday is supposed to be sunny and 74, says Greg. Well, I mean, you know, it was beautiful here last night at the house. I mean, just beautiful blue skies, and the sun was out, and the dogs were out playing in the grass, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful. But, I mean, is that what it's going to be? Cloudy, dumpy, rainy mornings and uh, good afternoons. I'm all about that. If there's a, you know, there you go. Um, here's a question. Where do you go for honest, objective gun reviews? I'm liking the honest outlaw, but first of all, I've never heard of the honest outlaw, but awesome. Um, I mean, I've gone to the reload. I've gone to the truth about guns. Um, 
I haven't been reading a lot of gun reviews, but there you go. Maybe somebody in the chat room knows where that's at. Okay. Um, well, I don't see Rob popping in yet, so I guess we're going to just keep going for now, waiting for him to show up. Uh, he'll be joining us hopefully here in a minute. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like it, share, like it, follow. Let's uh, let's do all this badness and get uh, get stuff going. Are you ready? Like and share. Uh, subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. What the hell's an assault weapon? What isn't? If I assault you with a penguin, doesn't that make it an assault weapon? Does this mean that if we hurt your feelings, you'd consider the Michael Dukes show assault radio? <laughs> okay, we can live with that. Here's Michael Dukes. I mean, an assault penguin? That's terrifying. That's, I mean, assault pencil, assault hammer, truck, daffodil? If I assaulted you with a daffodil, would you... I don't even know what a daffodil looks like, I'll be honest with you. I just, I'd have no idea. But if I swung it at you, ooh, baby, evil assault daffodil. Welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show. We're waiting for Rob Pincus to uh, connect with us here this morning. I uh, I spoke with him a little bit earlier. Let's see what uh, he said. Okay, he's going to be with us here in two minutes. Uh, we're going to be joined by Rob, and we'll kick things off uh, in that. Um, so we'll, we'll just proceed ahead here and continue, uh, all these discussions on the different stories that we've got going on. Um, the pistol brace deadline was May the 31st, meaning we are at day 16 now of the pistol brace, um, rule from the ATF going into effect, unless you like me are a member of GOA, Gun Owners of America, or the Second Amendment Foundation, or the Firearms Policy Coalition, if you are a member of any of those organizations, you are exempt from that rule for now because of an injunction by a federal judge. But it turns out that across the country, there's been a lot of people who are probably not members of that uh uh, of the, any of those organizations, and they still refused to comply with this stupid rule. According to the Biden administration, they say that they estimated there were between three and seven million pistol brace uh, equipped firearms out there in the country. But according to gun manufacturers, the National Shooting Sports Foundation, and others, they say the number is actually much higher, in fact, as high as 40 million of these pistol braces may be in circulation and may be in use right now across the country. According to The Reload, uh, which is a firearms news website, they're saying now that more than 90% of the guns equipped with pistol braces remain unregistered despite the risk of a potential federal felony. The new regulation, of course, involving the uh, device that helps stabilize pistols for better accuracy, they put them in the same categories as machine guns and short barrel rifles. The ATF said that it received just over 250,000 applications for registration during the four-month grace period, where they didn't charge you, there was no attorney, there was no tax fee, there was nothing else. They, they, they only received 250,000 applications for what... 
even by their numbers, their extremely low numbers, was between three and seven million pistol braces, which means you have a you have mass noncompliance in the U.S. with this rule. Um, it is just, it's. I mean, like I said, if you keep making stupid laws and rules in this country. You are in grave danger of creating an Irish democracy where the people lose respect for the rule of law because your laws are stupid and it, they lose respect for government and it creates the potential for anarchy and chaos. And that's I mean, that's what they've done here. Again, we saw it in the SAFE Act in New York, the assault weapons ban there, the assault weapons ban in Connecticut. Now with this one, this excruciatingly low compliance rate with these new laws, because Americans are pretty much up to here with all that stuff. So just another interesting tidbit here as that works its way through the courts. All right. I see that uh, Rob Pincus has uh, joined us in the green room. So it's time to jump over and talk with him this morning uh, as we get things going. Let's uh, add him up to the uh, show and see what uh, he's got to say. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. It's been a busy morning out here in uh, Colorado already. Hope you're uh, doing well. I heard what you were saying about democracy uh, falling apart and uh, people losing faith in the institutions. And I, I agree with you very much. Well, I mean, that's the threat. We've talked about it on the show with other laws, but firearms laws are pretty prevalent. You know, that threat of an Irish democracy where people basically just go, the rule of law means nothing because all of your laws are stupid, essentially. And uh, and so they start to lose respect for that. And it it really creates a problem where you've got politicians thinking that they know better and the people are like, we've had enough. I mean, it's kind of like the Marbury versus Madison rule in the Supreme Court back in the 30s writ large, where if you see a law that's unconstitutional, it's your duty to not comply at that point. And that's, I think, where people are starting to hit on these days, Rob. Yeah, well, I, I mean, from my point of view, I, I think there's a lot of social issues that are driving uh, a division in an ideological way that, that creates this illusion that, you know, your side's right, the other side's wrong, period, black and white, no question about it, can't negotiate, can't compromise, can't find common ground. And the biggest problem there is that what we have is a need for people to to re get get back to negotiation, get back to compromise, get back to understanding. You don't have to agree with the other people. You have to understand them. And I think that leads us to a place where we can say, okay, I don't love that law, but I understand that law. And now I'm going to work within the institutions and within the system to evolve to something that I'm happier with, sure. uh, or maybe that my group is happier with, or my community is happier with. And, right. and especially with the different divisions of government that we have in this country, right? We have we have state law, municipal law, and federal law. And those those concepts of understanding and, and compromise and negotiation are incredibly important to the republic that we have, uh, because it isn't a, it isn't pure democracy. It's not just mob rule. Right, right, exactly. It's a democratic voting system, but a Republican uh, representative form of government instead of a pure democracy uh, with mob rule, as you point out. You know, this this whole thing with the uh, – but we're seeing things come to a head here. We've seen for years – and you and I haven't had a chance to talk in quite a while, and so uh, the, a lot of things have happened since then. Of course, we have the Bruin decision, which is causing ripple effects across the country. Uh, we have the 
the uh, court decisions that are basically putting holds on the bump stock ban and now putting uh, injunctions against the arm brace ban and all these things where the the judges are saying, essentially, ATF, you do not have the authority. This is a congressional legislative authority that you're trying to exercise. And so you don't have the authority to do this. The administration doesn't have the authority to do this. They're opening up a whole new uh, avenue of discussion that I think uh, people like the Biden administration, they're still trying to come to grips with. Uh, but it's good news, I think, for gun owners overall, don't you? I do. I think it's good news for for the U.S. that, that these uh discussions are being forced uh you know the the, the separation of powers um, is playing out really well uh we have we, we have a, a legislative branch right now that's divided in terms of the, the house and the senate we have uh the democrats holding sway in the, in the white house on the executive branch side uh but we also have the other the branch that we don't talk about very much is the lifelong bureaucrats right the people that are in positions and particularly in the executive branch uh, you know, it, that are that are put in place over things like the EPA or things like the ATF uh, who think they know better than even the legislators. Um, right. And there's there's been a default for the courts and the legislature to sort of listen to the experts. And I think that default is is going away. I think we're evolving past that. And uh, it is the court system, it's the, judicial, the judicial branch that is forcing that uh, evolution and that discussion. And I think that's okay. Um, the conflict isn't something we should be scared of, uh, but we, the conflict needs to really turn into a conversation, uh, which I think then will lead to cooperation and uh, a little bit more tolerance for uh, the institutions and the fact that sometimes change is slow. You know, we have regained so many lost rights. Uh, with, you just look at gun owners, right? Over the last 30 to 40 years, uh, while there are exceptions, there are asterisks, you know, there's the New York Safe Act, uh, but there's also New Jersey getting concealed carry permits this year for the first time in a long time, even though it's been technically legal to get carry permits in New Jersey longer than it has been in Alaska or right. uh, Texas. Even. Right. But uh, now they're actually being issued. Right. Um, and we're seeing much more change like that. Right. 27 states now by the end of the year will have permitless carry. Um, we're regaining rights uh, that were lost a long time ago, but it's a slow process and and it's not going to happen with a whimsical abolish the ATF uh, bill. You right. Know, being well, it's always easier to lose the rights uh, than and, and have to claw them back. Uh, it's always harder to change those laws. And as you're talking about the judicial system right now is fighting it, you're right. We shouldn't be afraid of this fight. That is a concept that's working as intended. It is the three distinct separate branches of government. And when one makes a mistake, the other two have to craw have to claw it back. And in this case, you've got both the Congress abrogating their authority, passing these very broad bills with that are basically just frameworks with no specificity, now relying on bureaucracies to fill in the blanks and have rules and regulations and things that have the effect of law, even though they're not, or the administration's writing uh, executive orders and administrative decisions that are outside of that purview as well. It's about time that the that the judicial system stepped in and worked on this. Uh, and specifically, you know, we had McDonald, we have Heller, and now we have Bruin. Those three decisions have gone a huge distance in returning uh, a lot of those rights and making the even the judicial system stand up and take notice of you can't just accede to the government because, well, it's the government. You have to show historical use. The Bruin decision is the ripples of that are going to be huge. I think that will be, if you look back at this 40 years from now, you will say that was the beginning of the end of the momentum for the gun control movement in America. 
I don't know if that's going to be maybe the beginning of the very end. Um, you know, I think I think the Heller decision really is the landmark case. Uh, it's, it was the first important case in in decades, and now we've seen uh, much more regularly uh, the courts pushing things further in in our direction. Again, regaining lost rights and and restricting the power of the state governments and the local governments and even the federal government. I think is where we'll end up uh, restricting the, the Second Amendment rights. Well, maybe it's the icing on the cake. Maybe it's not the beginning of the yeah. end. It's the icing on the cake of the Heller McDonald. It's the triumvirate of decisions that I think that made a made a big uh, made a big deal. Um, <clears throat> you're on your PDN tour right now, Rob, which is uh, a tour across the country, training uh, civilians, law enforcement, uh, all kinds of different folks in different types of gun training and things like that. So you get a chance to go out there and meet a lot of people. Uh, we're coming up on the break here. What is the but give me a flavor for how people are feeling. Is there is there a hope now amongst all these uh, folks in the gun culture that maybe we can claw back to some kind of neutral ground on this? Are we do we feel like we're winning the fight? Uh, and uh, and uh, but are we staying vigilant as well? What's what kind of feeling do you get as you go across the country here? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think the average gun owner, the average person that's actually out there training, that's buying guns, that's out at the ranges and shooting, carrying guns or staging guns for defense, I think they have a very positive feeling. Uh, they're frustrated uh, by things like you know what we're seeing in Washington State or the, the constant attempts to work around Bruin that we've seen even over this first year of the, the decision existing. But generally, I think people are, are seeing the positive, they're seeing the win, they're seeing it work. What I'm also seeing, of course, is that vigilance, um, and especially with the organizations that are fighting the good fights, uh, they're, they're, they're clearly uh, interested in making sure people know and understand that there are still fights to be fought, that there will be endless court cases, that the, it's a never-ending battle. Um, and I, I've seen complacency set in before, and you know it affects the fundraising of the organizations. But the fundraising at the organizations, which actually fight these fights, um, particularly Firearms Policy Coalition lately has really been doing a lot of the heavy lifting, the important lifting at the court in the courts. Uh, they're they're getting exactly what they need, which is the support of the American gunner. Yeah. No, I would say right now the ones that are really doing the work, doing work out there, uh, include the Firearms Policy Coalition, the Second Amendment Foundation, Alan Gottlieb's group, and uh, Gun Owners of America. Those are the ones that seem to be out there really per per pursuing this. And in fact, as I mentioned earlier, those are the three organizations that if you belong to any one of those the the uh, the arm brace ban is injuncted for you. You don't you know you're not complying with it right now if you're a member of one of those organizations as they continue to suss it out in the court. So I think there are some big wins there. But again, we we can't grow weary in well doing. We've got to keep uh, we got to keep going on this. Rob Pincus is our guest. We're going to continue with him here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is Firearms Friday. Your chance to sound off on issues of a two way nature. We're going to continue again with PDN Tour uh, driver uh, Rob Pincus, and we'll uh, also check under some of his other hats, Avidity Arms, Walk the Talk, uh, the Gunmakers Match, and more. We're going to talk about all those things as we return. We'll be back right after this. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show.
Rob Pinkus is our guest here uh, in the on the Michael Duke Show. We're in the commercial break right now, so I thought we'd just get caught up on a personal note with Rob, uh, so we don't uh, repeat ourselves for the podcast and everything. How's it been, my friend? How you how you doing? I mean, I see you're like transiting the country left to right, back and forth, east to west. You're a busy guy. Well, how, how are yeah, things going? Yeah, it's not like the old days. Like the tour used to be kind of get in the truck in uh, March and drive across the country, zigzag around. Uh, one time I did make it all the way up to Alaska, but usually ending in the Pacific Northwest after starting at uh, the headquarters down in Florida. And that's really changed. You know, over the last few years, um, I no longer drive across the country uh, linearly or, or in a zigzag pattern or in any way. Um, really, it's it, the tour, the heavy lifting of the tour is now done by the team. So, you know, if you go back to 2012 with the first official year of the Personal Events Network training tour, I think that, you know, I was at like 80% of the events. Um, this year, I'll be at about 20%. Um, we have 12 instructors on the tour located in different regions of the country. They're all traveling. Of course, that's an important part of the tour is they only uh, list the classes they teach away from their home. So it's, it's still the idea of bringing Personal Defense Network, the instruction and the instructors to you, to the members or to people who aren't members of PDN, but might want to become members or interested in what we offer as far as the training goes. So we've got a, an amazing team there uh, running around the country doing that. I'm spending a lot of time, you know, I'll go to the Midwest and teach some courses and then back to North Carolina and come back out here to Colorado for a week back to call uh, back to North Carolina. I've moved my business uh, East Coast operation from Florida up to North Carolina and that's where Avidity Arms is headquartered. We moved the company last year and uh, we started shipping guns in January. So we're we're still dealing with uh, all the the fun that comes with launching a, a new consumer product, a <laughs> relatively complex and heavily regulated consumer product. Right. But, uh, there are hundreds of guns out there now, and and I think there's going to be about another sixty or seventy will uh, ship out from the factory today. Well, that's so going to be uh, there's a lot going on in North Carolina. That's got to be good for you because I think I remember I was like three or four years ago. You and I were talking, and we were talking about your schedule, and you said you were you were traveling something like. 315 or 320 days a year you were on the road somewhere at one point or another so this is i mean being at only 20 percent of the events versus 80 percent has definitely got to give you a chance to focus on some other things well yeah it's you know i'm still traveling a lot obviously because i've got the uh the move all the way through, you know, going from Florida to North Carolina has kept me moving a lot back and forth on the East Coast. And then I'm, I'm still got my daughter and, and, you know, my personal sort of life revolves around Colorado. Uh, but I just picked up some property in North Carolina. So I'm going to be putting up a, a small shop there and putting a house up on top of the hill and all that kind of stuff. So North Carolina is going to be the new East Coast base. Um, but, you know, I still travel a lot. Um, we're, we're developing the dynamic focus program down in Mexico. So we're actually doing about 18 months into a program down there to recruit and develop a uh, high class and high quality instructors uh, in different regions of the country of Mexico, teaching um, responsible armed defensive skills uh, for home defense primarily is the focus down there. Uh, but we're, we're also trying to help some of the gun rights issues uh, move forward down in, in that country. So our neighbor to the South, you know, I spent a lot of years uh, working in Europe in different countries, but never really did much work in Mexico until about two years ago when we were invited down. And now I've got uh, Edgar Antion from Guns for Everyone, who, uh, of course, does a lot of work in the in the Spanish speaking community here in the U.S. Um, he's been down there a few times and, and we'll be doing uh, our first instructor development work down there in October. So there's a lot of things that still happen outside of the tour. Uh, I'm still doing I'll probably still do 40 or 50 classes this year, uh, various places around the world. But uh, the fact that we have so many more very active traveling instructors associated with PDN uh, at this point than we did, you know, even four or five years ago before the 
the pandemic pause uh, is really exciting. And then it does free up a lot of time. And, and I assure you that launching a gun company has taken up a lot of time. <laughs> well, and the COVID, uh, I mean, it really changed things. I mean, it really changed how a lot of people did things. And of course, as you mentioned, it's kind of changed some of your work as well. Um, how is, how, how, what are some of the changes you're seeing mostly coming out of this, uh, you know, the, how people were affected and the different, uh, attitudes they have now? I, I think the biggest thing is, is people value their, their, uh, I don't know if it's free time, but they value, uh, the idea of, of not being, being sort of stuck in a, in a pattern of, uh, you know, go to work five days a week or, or go to work six days a week, go to work four days a week. Uh, people's patterns were disrupted um, pretty harshly. And, I, and while I know some people couldn't wait to get back to normal, quote unquote, um, a lot of people I've noticed have really dramatically adjusted their their lifestyles, uh, their work schedules, you know, whether they're working from home, working remotely or some kind of a, a partial workplace, partial work from home, um, especially in the executive, administrative and creative fields. You know, it's just it's so much easier to get that kind of work done uh, from your home and be with your kids and be with your neighbors and, and know your neighbors probably more than you did a few years ago um, for a lot of people. Now, other people, yeah, you're in the retail environment, you work in a restaurant, you work in a factory, you're you're going to work. And it's probably more like it was, you know, four years ago again for you. Uh, but for a lot of people, the, the opportunity to shift pace in life has then created uh, a different perspective on what it means to train and practice and learn. Yeah. Um, lifelong learning has taken on a whole new meaning with, and be and, network. Yeah. And, and be free and self-reliant. Yeah. Hold on a line. We're going to rejoin here. Uh, so, but you're right. And, and to be more self-reliant, I think that's been one of the big pushes here that I've loved to see. Rob Pink is our guest, the Michael Duke show. We're getting back into it. Here we go. What the hell is an assault weapon? You know, if we could just figure out how to get all of the murder guns and the attack guns and not keep selling those to people and just sell protection guns, I think that would be great and solve a lot of problems. Does this mean that if we hurt your feelings, you'd consider The Michael Dukes Show Assault Radio? <laughs> okay, we can live with that. Here's Michael Dukes. That's right. We're getting protection guns. It's all protection guns all the time. Rob Pincus is our guest here on the uh, Michael Duke Show. It is Firearms Friday. Now, Rob wears a lot of hats. He's uh, uh, He is the the head cheese of the Personal Defense Network, Ice Combat Training, Avidity Firearms. He deals with uh, and helps out with Walk the Talk America. Uh, I mean, he's part of the 3D Maker community for the 3D gun matches uh, and more. Lots of different things happening. So, Rob, uh, let's catch up. Uh, you were just talking to us during the break that uh, you're the president of Avidity Firearms, which uh, you've been working on this for, oh, I guess, what now, six, seven years, creating a uh, we're, we're almost officially a decade in on the concept. Well, actually, it's nine years ago this month uh, was when the, the original specs on the PD-10 were, were published. You know, this is the gun that that I'm going to build. Avidity Arms as a company, uh, the name Avidity Arms, that was announced in late 2014, so about six or seven months after that. And we first showed the gun in a, in a very early prototype, all steel form in uh, at the SHOT Show of 2015. So, you know, eight solid years for sure, um, since we, we told everybody we were going to do this. And as I said, you know, it, it's not like it's I was sitting in one room, you know, whittling gun parts out of metal or wood or something, you know, for eight years, it's definitely been a lot of stops and starts and a couple of 
reboots and, and redirections uh, ultimately that led us to North Carolina, led us to a, an incredible collaboration partnership with a company called Alpha Tech. And AlphaTech uh, now working with us, uh, my office is in what was only their building, which is now the Avidity Arms and AlphaTech building. And we have uh, been able to take just about every part of the gun uh, so that we're building it and making it inside of that building. Uh, so except for a couple of springs, a couple of pins, uh, the, some coating work that we have done at a facility nearby, and then uh, our injection molding is done by a, a company that, that really has that figured out because that's its whole other science. But as far as all the, the stamping, the machining, the, uh, the EDM wiring, the lathing, the, the 97% of that gun work is done in our building. And that was really the key to getting us to market. Uh, so we, we you know, worked at this in a lot of different ways for a lot of different years using outside vendors and consulting engineers and things like that. Uh, but it wasn't until we really had a partnership with uh, people that had the capability to do the work, the actual, you know, the metal work, the right, fitting, the right. engineering, the design. Uh, I had the ideas and, and you know, certainly can help people understand, you know, why why this is a gun that might be for them from a marketing or, or sales promotional aspect. But that manufacturing piece uh Kind of important, right? When you're manufacturing yeah, firearms, exactly. So that got us over the over the line, uh, so that we could we could bring the gun to market, and we started shipping in January of this year. So the the new PD10 is out there. People can uh, can uh, hopefully find it and get uh, from their distributors or from their uh, local firearms dealers. Check it out. So good news on that. Good news for you on that. And I'm glad to see that that's finally come to fruition. You know, there's been a lot of talk lately. Uh, we were just talking about the pistol brace ban. Um, and one of the things that I think that you have been on the cutting edge of, and you and I have talked about pretty, uh, pretty thoroughly, uh, over the last couple of years has been the makerspace, uh, you know, talking about how technology is outstripping the ability of the government to adapt, overcome and regulate, um, which I think is a good thing. I think the, you know, keeping technology out there, uh, and keeping the government on the back foot of uh, back foot of re regulation is not a bad thing. Uh, you know, the laughable thing of what we've seen here is that most of the things that they're talking about um, uh, regulating or restricting, whether it's 80 percent lowers or most of this stuff can be taken care of in the makerspace. Now, whether that's 3D polymer printing, 3D plastic printing, uh, CNC desktop lathing. I mean, the technology is there and I just don't think that they can keep up with what's happening. You work in this space. You do a lot of stuff. You just got done with the gun makers match here recently. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about technology and what, uh, uh, you know, about how this is affecting what's going on in the gun culture. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I've got a, a 3D printer sitting right here next to me. The uh, idea that the regulation can't keep up, it's its a two-sided situation, right? On the one hand, uh, yes, it's great that the government has to accept the fact that people are going to have this opportunity and that the best we can do is encourage people to use this opportunity responsibly um, and approach it responsibly without fear of of punishment for for exercising your freedoms and and exercising your creative and mechanical capabilities, your manufacturing capabilities, you know all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, we have to remember that we if we outpace and we start blazing into gray areas, then you know it's up to the government at the end of the day and and maybe a jury of our peers. Although the likelihood of getting you know you and I finding twelve people sitting in that jury box who are we would consider peers, um, especially philosophically. That's pretty much yeah, slim and none, right? So the so 
running into this gray space and saying, well, the government's the rules aren't clear because the government wasn't anticipating this doesn't always mean you'll win that court case if it comes to a court case. So it is important that we take this new expanding areas of technology and the, the creative ideas that come in the, the gun building space from like the kit makers and things like that. And we, we really need to sit down and say, OK, where are we running into regulation that's unfair, that's too restrictive, that is that didn't anticipate what we'd all be capable of doing, you know, at right, home. Right. Uh, but we still want to be able to exercise our freedoms. Um, so that's an area where, again, you know, FPC is doing a lot of work. Uh, the, the organization um, Legio, which is the the organization behind DefCAD, Defense CAD, where you can become a member of Legio and then you get access to the DefCAD library where you can download um, a lot of great files for building, most of them vetted, um, some of the best builders and designers in the community. I'm really proud to tell people that we put the Avidity Arms frame, we worked with some of the builders that are just incredibly gifted in terms of coming up with the designs and the tweaks that need to happen. You know, There's a big difference between um, an injection molded process and the things we do in the factory versus what someone can do at home with additive manufacturing with a 3D printer. So the file isn't the same. So some, so some a group of guys who had to work with me to take our PD-10 frame and optimize it for 3D printing at home. Right. And we now sell kits through JSD Supply. So, you know, if somebody's interested in getting a, a PD-10, they go to galleryofguns.com and, you know, order a gun to their local dealer and, and great, you've got a factory-made gun. If you're interested in building your own and maybe in your own color or with your own tweaks, if you're into the, the tweaking of designs, which a lot of gun makers are, then what they can do is, is go to JSD Supply, buy a parts kit, uh, go to DefCAD, or, and I think uh, also on Odyssey, you can find downloadable files or some guys who've already put their own textures, their own look to the PD-10. Um, it's very exciting. So in the work that I've done with the gun makers match and just my own hobby interest in building guns, I'm now tying that in with my manufacturing and business interests and, and hopefully paving the way for some other manufacturers to get more involved with gun makers. Um, there's right. a, actually out of battery live. If you, if you check out their YouTube after the show, the people will be able to see some of the coverage that they gave to gun makers match three, which we just held in Pennsylvania last month. And they will also in there see some of the information about the release of the, the 3d PD 10 and why I think it's so important for the, traditional gun industry to start working more with and embracing the idea of private gun making. I think it's fantastic because, again, that helps with the engagement in the community. And that's how we always we're innovating. And there's people out there working on their own time, innovating some of these products. We have never I never know what kind of breakthrough can come about. Uh, Rob, we're down to the last couple minutes here. So I wanted to give you the floor for anything else that we didn't cover today that you wanted to chat about or any points you wanted to make. Uh, it's yours to go. Thanks, man. I think the one one organization we haven't mentioned is Second Amendment organization. I am the executive vice president of 2AO. People can go to 2AO.org or gunrights.info and take a look at our position statements um, as a guide. We're really big on helping people be grassroots advocates, doing the work in their states, in their communities, you know, at the coffee shop or at their kids' sports games, you know, sitting in the stand next to other parents. And the position statements that we lay out there talk, uh, I think, pretty thoroughly and, and in everyday terms about why certain restrictions need to be fought, why restrictions are unfair, some of the history of some of the restrictions. And, and hopefully, I think if people look at this, the information at gunrights.info, they become a, a more educated and articulate grassroots gun rights advocate. And also, I want people to check out the Gun Pro Pledge. If you go to gunpropledge.org, um, they'll see uh, the pledge, the forum. It's, it's completely decentralized, voluntary, grassroots, peer-to-peer -peer effort 
to increase responsible gun ownership and, and best practices around responsible gun ownership. Uh, the PRO, the Pledge of Responsible Ownership, you uh, commit to getting education in the safe and appropriate use of your guns, commit to taking steps to prevent unauthorized access or use of your guns, and you commit to separating yourself from guns and being proactive about your mental health care. Uh, but in the event of a crisis, realizing that maybe there's a time when you don't need immediate access to those guns, and uh, you, you just get two sponsors to support you, and all three of you sign it, and you put a copy in your safe or whatever you want to do with it. But it's, it's basically a handshake amongst friends and peers, family members, gun owners that care about other gun owners. And, and we do this stuff anyway. Gun Pro just makes it a little bit more formal. Right. It gives us yet another feather in our cap to talk to the media about and show that gun owners do care. No, absolutely. And I think that that is a tremendous effort there. We Nothing hurts us more than some gun owner who's doing the wrong thing in that regard. So if we can police our own, that makes a much better, uh, much better sense. Rob Pincus, Personal Defense Network, uh, Avidity Arms, uh, Second Amendment Org, uh, the whole thing, everything else. Thank you for coming on board and joining us this morning. All right. Thank you, sir. It's good to talk with you. Thank you, folks. We got more coming up, uh, more Firearms Friday directly ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Good chance to... uh, Good chance to talk with uh, Rob Pincus there. I love that. I love that. Uh, And you guys have just been going on and on about a bunch of different stuff in the chat room. Every time I look over there, something else. You guys are talking about emergency meds and things like that. Sandy says, well, this is actually good to know. You can now get seven antibiotics online from Telemed for emergency first aid kits. Send me a link on that, Sandy. I want to do more. I mean, I've got some antibiotics in my, my med kits, but, you know, they're older and I would love to refresh them. So... Maybe hit me with a link on that, Sandy, or uh, send me an email. We could talk about that for emergency medicine when we talk about emergency medicine on our What If Wednesday. I'm breaking down some show ideas here for What If Wednesday, and it deals with, you know, food storage and, uh, you know, safety, communications, radios and things like that, barter, money, medical stuff, water, water filtration, water handling, power generation, all kinds of things. So, uh, Brian says he appreciated his reminder to send money to the FPC, the Firearms Policy Coalition. Uh, Brian says his tax refund came in and now it's time to give back. I mean, the cost of a box of ammo, right? You could give at least the cost of one box of ammo and that would be, uh, uh, that would be a good thing. I mean, I, I don't think that that would be, uh, I don't think that that would be a bad uh, <clears throat> deal at all. So we're, we're coming, you know, we're coming to that point. Um, all right. It's Friday, man. I am so ready. So what do you guys uh, <clears throat> what do you guys set up to do this weekend? For all you fathers out there, what are you doing for Father's Day? That's, like, that's what my wife said. She said it, it was like yesterday or the day before. She goes, what do you want to do for Father's Day? I said, when's Father's Day? <laughs> she said this weekend. I'm like, oh, okay. 
Um, I don't know. Sleep, drink, play video games. I something, something. I my my my. I might spend the day in useless repose. Useless repose. Oh, oof. All right. Well, I don't want to jump into any of these stories now because we're in the top of the hour break, and I just want to hang out with you guys a little bit and see what uh, what you're planning on doing. Sandy says she's going to send me a link on that. Thank you, Sandy. I appreciate that. Um, I mean, emergency medical kits are, it's, it's good to have, you know, um, a med bag with, you know, basic solutions in it, you know, nothing worse than you're in an emergency situation and you're getting dehydrated or you've got, uh, you know, you've got, you're eating all this unusual food, you know, the MREs and whatever, and you've got diarrhea and you've got no emodium or you know it's just it it you don't think about all the new stuff that uh that your body and the stress and everything else you're being affected with in an emergency situation and so you really need to kind of work out what you want to have in like an emergency kit for you know a medical kit for you and your family um and whether that's you know again feminine hygiene products or uh you know something as simple as emodium or aspirin or you know hell might all i don't know whatever uh as as well as all the topical creams and things and bandages and things like that it's a it's a whole deal it's a whole deal um <clears throat> terry oorah by the way terry terry uh is uh buying a new rifle and he's gonna grill some tommy g's meat and sausage i hear tommy g's has got some i hear tommy g's has got some good stuff some good stuff uh i yummy that uh i just i might just do some grilling uh this weekend i got my finally got my grill to work properly i was having so many having such a hard time with it this thing is brand new i bought it last year and it was uh or maybe the late of the year before but it was just i had so many problems with it last summer and uh, i finally got it figured out because i are a genius Um, and, uh, man, burgers, chicken, uh, sausages. Yes. Brian says he's going to, uh, he's going to, uh, grill some steaks, sip on some, I saw you saw, what'd you do? You found Blanton's at the gas station. Is that what you said in your post there? (laughs) It's a hell of a gas station. If they've got Blanton's on hand, uh, Greg's headed up to the cabin for therapy and work which just doesn't sound relaxing to me, but, you know, to each his own. Uh, Kyle's going to the beach, fishing for halibut. And, uh, I mean, it's, uh, you know, look up Jace Medical, said uh, Sherry. Sandy's going to send me a link. I can't I can't click on links here. I, I've told, I said, that's one of the things. Uh, I can't click on links when I'm broadcasting the show because the, software that I use doesn't, I, I can see all the chats in one chat. So I can see YouTube and like, I could see Kyle here and then I could see <laughs> Greg on Facebook and on YouTube. So, but I can't click on any of the links. So <clears throat> if you got something for me, send it to me at my email address, me at michaeldukeshow.com, M-E at michaeldukeshow.com, which you'll see down there at the bottom of the page here, like right here shortly. Okay. <clears throat> Well, 
I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for hour two to come back in. Come on, pop back up. There you go. Um, let's go. Let's get it going on, shall we? Appreciate you guys. Let's get to it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns. One for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. Michael Jackson. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Firearms Friday. Yeah, baby. This is your chance to sound off on issues of a, uh, oh, Second Amendment nature uh, to talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about regarding guns and the Second Amendment and so much more. That's what we do each and every day right here on the big radio program. Thanks for coming in and joining us. Uh, Well, not each and every day, but each and every Friday, I guess I should say. Sometimes my mouth engages and my brain's not hooked up. You know, that's what happens sometimes. Uh, Welcome to it. Friday, a big Father's Day weekend. I had to be reminded. My wife asked me the day before yesterday. She goes, so what do you want to do for Father's Day? I said, I don't know. When is it? She goes, this weekend. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, I don't know. I might just sleep. Sleep sounds good. I'll sleep. I won't do. The, I won't mow the lawn, and I will. Uh, I don't know. Hang out, drink coffee, play video games, do something that's completely mindless and rewarding at the same time. I, uh, I let you. I'll. I'll jump in on that and and do it as well. Um. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on board and um, and being part of the show today. We just finished up with Rob Pincus, uh, from uh, the Personal Defense Network, Affinity Firearms. 2AO, uh, the Second Amendment organization, um, Walk the Talk America, uh, Ice Combat Training. That guy, he makes me feel like a piker uh, with the hats that I wear. He's like got twice as many, uh, but he's <clears throat> he's uh, he's on board uh, and just had a great just had a great conversation with him about all the stuff that's happening out there, especially in the 3D maker space. I'm super fascinated by that. The uh, the 3D printing and everything. We talked a little bit about it yesterday in the good news segment where they're 3D printing houses and stuff like that. And that's where things are going, man. This desktop, you know, it, it gives desktop publishing a whole 
new definition when you're like desktop publishing. When you can have a desktop 3D printer that prints, you know, polymers or, um, uh, you know, polymers or different forms of plastics, when you've got uh, t- desktop CNC machines and lathes that you can do, that's, I mean, there's just some crazy stuff out there that you can get done on that. So it's, uh, it's, it's, I, I love it. I would love to have a whole show dedicated only to that discussion, uh, that discussion alone. Uh, because I, I truly think that sometime in the future, I don't know if it'll be within my lifetime or not, but literally everyone will have a 3D printer at their house uh, that does probably a multimedia 3D printer that does metals or plastics or whatever. And if you need a hoosie what's or a little a widget for your, I don't know, your washer washing machine breaks and you need a little widget or something that you just basically download the download the file from the manufacturer and print it out at your home and, and fix your washer. I, I think that that probably eventually will be, uh, maybe it's a one-time use file or something like that. It would be, uh, I think that's eventually one day what's going to be coming out of it, that it'll be at-home manufacturing for many of those things. And I'm embracing that. I love that. I love it. I love that. And it has big ramifications for the firearm industry because as I was talking about earlier with Rob, Gun control has kind of become, in many ways, obsolete. Now, whether that's through civil disobedience of people just refusing to participate in the gun control madness, or it's people embracing the 3D makerspace. Um, I mean, we all know we've had Cody Wilson on this program before. Who uh, Cody Wilson is? Uh, he was the guy that printed the Liberator, the first 3D printed firearm, uh, and that was really his goal. His goal was to make all gun control obsolete. Because uh, you wanted to be able to put this in the hands of every Americans, of every American out there, be able to do that. And the 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 main challenge for government is that they are not agile enough to be able to uh, to make those changes. They can't be in your home. They can't uh, you know they can't see what you're thinking or what you're doing. And in America, it is in most places still legal to be able to manufacture your own firearm. Many people don't don't know that. They don't understand it. That if you're building a firearm for your own personal use, you're not intending to sell it. It's something that you you just want to use. You are you are legal in every respect unless there's some kind of local jurisdiction or state jurisdictional thing that says you can't. You're legal to do so. Um and he has helped spread that word to more people across the country than ever before. Uh, and now, of course, he's got his new high tech thing, which is called the Ghost Gunner, which uh, I mean, it's brilliant from a marketing standpoint as far as tapping into the angst that people are feeling. But essentially, it's just a CNC desktop lathe. That's all it is. It's a desktop CNC machine that will do all kinds of metal parts, but it will also build you a firearm frame if you want. Uh, so there's a lot of very, very cool things that... Um, that are coming, but the best thing about this whole thing with fire, with a you know, with a makerspace, is that it is, um, it's on the bleeding edge. I mean, like Rob was talking about, Rob Pinkus was talking about, there are people who are taking legitimate designs and making them better, who are taking legitimate designs for guns. Um, uh, I've seen, <clears throat> I've seen polymer carbine kits that will turn your Glock into uh, uh, into a carbine rifle. Uh, you know, give you a shoulder stock and everything else and a forward grip so you can put a long barrel on it and turn your Glock into a uh, into a carbine. 
I've seen, um, you know, different styles of, uh, of, uh, pistol grips and, and, uh, lower frames and all different kinds of things that have come out of that space. And there are guys that that's their hobby. Their whole hobby is to redesign, to tweak, to make better all these different designs. And I think Pincus is, uh, you know, on the cutting edge of this because he has embraced that instead of, you know, some gun manufacturers would be like cease and desist. That's my intellectual property. No, no. He can take put that out there, and then if there's anything good out there that they that the the, the makerspace does, you can incorporate that as a designer, as a manufacturer. You should be able to part of the part of the common uh, part of the uh, you know common licensing of putting your design out there is that if there's any great um, if there's any great uh, uh, you know improvement that somebody makes. That you have the right as the as the owner of of the design to incorporate that. I mean that's that's crowd that's basically crowdsourcing everything you got going on. I think that that is just it's a brilliant brilliant idea. And uh, overall, you can't the, the the genie's out of the bottle. The cat's out of the bag. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. We are into the the I mean the the you know we're into this the makerspace of people making their own stuff. And doing all this, it is, it's ready. It's time. So I'm, I'm excited. This is an exciting time to be alive for that kind of stuff. I mean, we've had some tough fights. We've had some tough fights in the Second Amendment, but I think that we are, we have the momentum now in the battle. All we got to do is make sure that we keep it up. And I think Rob was also right to remind us that we need to help continue to support organizations that brought us here, including the Firearms Policy Coalition and GOA and the Second Amendment Foundation and uh, 2AO. I mean, those are the organizations, you know, 30 bucks here, 40 bucks here, 50 bucks here. You know, for a couple hundred bucks a year, you can defend your rights across the spectrum. And we should all be doing that. I think it's a I think it's a good push. Um, all right. <clears throat> we talked a little bit yesterday Um no, I don't really want to talk about that. I was I was going to talk about I'm not dumb. No, I've changed my mind. Host prerogative to change my mind. Uh, you know, we always hear about uh, how somebody else is always doing it better than us, right? In America, from the, especially from the gun control crowd, somebody else is always doing it better than us. It's Australia; they're doing it better than England's doing it better than us. And of course, the pinnacle of the anti-gun crusade is Japan. Japan. They have a, I mean, they've got a, uh, uh, you know, they've got uh, extensive gun control laws and very few homicides in Japan. Now, some would argue that those two facts are linked and that there's causality. And because they have extensive gun control laws, they have very few homicides. I would disagree with that um, because the, 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 the linkage is, is flimsy at best. And then you have to throw in the whole discussion about suicide rates. The suicide rates in Japan are excruciatingly high compared to other parts of, uh, I mean, for example, for the United States. And uh, because in the United States, many of the suicides are committed with firearms, and those figures are often lumped into the gun violence numbers. Uh, it can be misleading. But here's the thing. <clears throat> Even with, I, I think it's cultural. I think the differences of why there's fewer homicides, more suicides, fewer homicides, and everything else in Japan has to do with more of a cultural shift than anything else. But recently, Japan had a uh, mass shooting, one that the American public 
and the American media, the American public don't don't didn't really know much about because the news media refused to cover it. Uh, and the American public, you know, just they're, they're kind of in the dark on this. Uh, this was uh, this was after the attempted uh, the assassination of uh, of a Japanese uh, of the Japanese prime minister by a man, again, shocking in a country with his own homemade shotgun. Uh, shocking in that country and that this is what's going on. But here's the thing. It all points to one thing. No one is going to be able to find a single way that gun control will work 100% of the time. And in fact, criminals, by their very definition, because they break the law, are going to flout that each and every time. Each and every time. And now we have another example of this uh, coming out of Japan. Uh, So we had the mass shooting back in May. We had the assassination attempt earlier this year. And now we have a shooting that was on a military gun range in Japan. A self-defense force member was arrested Wednesday after allegedly killing two other personnel with a rifle at the ground self-defense force shooting range in the city of Gifu. Another victim was seriously injured. The 18-year-old male suspect, who's a new GSDF recruit, was arrested at the scene for attempted murder. He admitted to the allegations, saying there was no denying that he'd shot the victims, and he's being held in Gifu Prefecture Police Station right now. It's the first fatal shooting in an SDF facility in nearly 40 years. Now, there's no amount of gun control that would have stopped this, even with everything working perfectly. I mean, he's it's a military gun range. These guys are going to have guns and live ammo. Uh, you know, and again, all the laws in the world didn't stop the guy from creating the shotgun that he used to attempt to assassinate the prime minister. There, there, you know, we have incidents in Australia where they had the gun buyback and all these supposed laws, and yet they still had another mass shooting. And 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 the criminals in Australia are making hay. Uh, you've read and we've talked about the stories of the various gangs in Australia who have uh, been caught basically taking over machine shops and creating and cranking out firearms out of machine shops for their gang members and for others selling the guns to the other bad guys. There's just no amount of gun control law that's going to stop bad people with bad intentions from doing bad things. That, that's just the bottom line. Every time there's a mass shooting and we hear the litany of things that need to happen, the universal background checks, the magazine bans, the assault weapons bans, the all the this, the that, every, almost every time, 90% of those things would have not made a single difference in all those things. So why do they keep doing it? Why do they keep pushing it? Ultimately, the old axiom of gun control being just primarily about control, I think, is probably a truism. But basically, because people have got this need after something tragic or unexplainable happens, that they need to do something. They need to feel safe. They need to feel useful, and they need to feel like they need to do something. Even if that something does actually more harm than good, that is human nature. And we need to fight back against that. We need to push back against that and uh, let common sense prevail in those regards. Okay, we got one uh, final segment. I guess I'll open up the phone line today. I haven't had the phones open all day, so we'll do a little gun Q&A. I got some uh, other stories we can talk about. Otherwise, we're just going to hang out and do a little bit of firearms talk. 
It is the Michael Duke Show. And this is Firearms Friday. Back with more after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Click a couple of those off. There we go. (sighs) Let me go back up here to see what's going on. What are you guys talking about? Um, Okay. The place of all things. Turner's is what Brian says. Turner's is the place of all things. They got a little bit of everything over there. Including ice cream, which I know I'm ready to do. Um... Government agencies hacked yesterday. Did I miss a did I miss a headline? Uh government agencies cyber attack. Uh global cyber attack. Department of Energy among multiple federal agencies breached in an ongoing global hacking campaign. Oh, I didn't even see that. Um, several hundred companies and organizations could be affected by the hacking spree. The ransomware gang responsible is known to demand multi-million dollar ransoms, but no ransoms or demands have been made. Um, they're working on all kinds of stuff. What a mess. I mean, that's a global dependency, right? Dependency. That's what it creates. That's for sure. Um, Yeah, they can't see what you were doing at home. Yet, the Cato Institute, I talked a little bit briefly about this last week, that basically a third of Gen Z would be in favor of having the government install cameras in your homes to prevent domestic violence. I mean, that is the ultimate giving up safety for, or giving up, uh, you know, liberty for safety or security. I mean, it's just, and it's the illusion of security because government still has a monopoly on force. I saw that article and I read that. Uh, in fact, I think Reason had a piece on it as well, Brian. It's just, ugh. Um, well, I'm going thing. Um, going through here. Um, Japan is a totally different culture, in the exception of the rule. Um, simple solution: outlaw machine shops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Outlaw machine shops. Yeah, that's the next thing. Um I'm going through here. There you go. Okay, I'm caught up. I'm caught up on all the comments in the chat here this morning. Yeah. <clears throat> I would love to have a machine shop. I would love to have a 
I'd love to have a metal lathe and there's just so many, I could get lost on a rabbit hole on YouTube watching people using a metal lathe and creating different, you know, I mean, I would just like a lathe, <clears throat> you know, a big lathe that could do metal or wood, or there's so many different cool things that are just, ugh. it's so cool to watch people create that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm just, I'm fascinated by master makers, master machinists who can go in and and create metal art, uh, who can use a mixture of mixed media of, you know, metal and wood and epoxy to create some of the craziest things you've ever seen. I just, I love that. A milling machine. Yeah. I, I love that. And uh, the other guy, have you ever watched the guy, have you ever watched the guy on uh, YouTube named Alex Steele? He's a young kid. Um, originally, he started off his YouTube channel in England. He's a blacksmith. He's a metal he's a metal worker, right? And he makes some of the craziest stuff and he since has moved a big part of his operation over to America because freedom, baby. And uh but he makes some of the coolest stuff. Abs- absolutely the coolest stuff. Alex Steele, a cool name too for a blacksmith. You should go check it out on YouTube. It is, uh, it's a great, you can get lost in that kind of stuff. It's, and he's entertaining as hell. I love talking to the kid. I love watching the kid. Um, <clears throat> anyway, now you know about one of my dirty little secrets. I watch Alex Steele occasionally on YouTube. Let's get back to it. The Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based. I didn't turn the phone lines on. Got to turn the phone lines on. Uh, Liberty based free thinking radio. Let's get to it. Here we, here we go. No, I'm in now. Public enema number one. Oh wait, sorry. Uh, enemy, public enemy number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the, uh, Michael Duke show. I have no idea what you're talking about. I am sweet as the sunshine, pure as the driven snow. I never make anybody cringe, ever. That's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, welcome back to it. It is the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. It is Firearms Friday, your chance to sound off on issues uh, related to the Second Amendment and more. And we are in our final firearm segment for today. Uh, we're about to jump into it uh, and uh, see what you guys have to say. I got the phone lines open, and uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna jump over there here and take some phone calls on this uh, Friday to see what you have to say. I hadn't opened up the phone lines, and I didn't do it during the break because I'm a bad radio host. I got talking about something. So uh, let me go over to the uh, let me go over to the uh, phones and we'll get things started to see what you guys want to talk about today, and uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what's happening over here. Good morning, it's Firearms Friday. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, Mike. This is Jason calling from Fairbanks. Hello, Jason. What's on your I mind, heard my friend? You talking about uh, yeah. Well, I heard you talking about three uh, D printing of uh, firearms parts and. I can give you two two great examples which can be made right now. I used to have years ago a a, a Western Auto, you know, the old uh, the old auto the old uh, uh, hardware store, uh, seven shot uh, twenty two semi automatic rifle. Right. It was made by Browning under contract to them, 
and it had this part that finally broke made of a, a plastic called Delrin. It's a white self-lubricating plastic, you know, but eventually it dried out. Right. If I had found another part, it would have been equally as old and would have worked. Well, 3D printers work fine from what I understand with Delrin. And another use for these also is with cartridges. There are certain types of cartridges where, the, where it uses a subcaliber um, projectile with a boat tail that's held in a plastic sabot with these uh, little uh, arm type things, you know, kind of flat plastic pieces that peel back once the uh, projectile leaves the barrel. And those can be 3D printed as well. Yeah, no, there's a whole different, uh, you know, in the 3D printing uh, space, you've got, you know, polymer, you've got like PTFE, Teflon, which is like a Delrin. It's the it's the, mm -hmm. the distant grandchild of Delrin. Um, you know, you've got all these different things that can now be printed uh, in various forms. You've got, you know, flexible stuff. You've got flexible material. You've got brittle material. You've got all these different things that can be done. And yeah, the sky's the limit. You have a piece that you need. You take the dimensions of it. You go into Blender or AutoCAD or something and you draw it up and you export it over to your machine and it could spit out the piece for you right there on the spot. Now there's a learning curve for some of that stuff, but I mean, it's going to get easier and oh, yeah. easier and easier. Now they make these things for 3D printing, which are super cool. Which is they make this little camera it's setup. Metal and even stone, yeah. Oh yeah. And well, resin. Well they make this they make this camera setup where if you had your little piece from your rifle that was broken or just not working anymore, you could put it on a little stand and this camera takes a three hundred and sixty degree basically image of it and it images it into the software. So you could see it in the correct proportions and everything else. Then you can go in and if there's a blemish wow. or a crack or anything else, you can erase those and everything else. And you can export the file and then print the file again uh, and, uh, you know, whittle it down or whatever. Make sure that it gets to a fine fit. But there's technology out there that does that now as well, um, which is, I mean, it's just, it's, it's mm. very, very cool to give you the opportunity to manufacture your own bits and bobs and pieces. And like you said, uh, there are uh, there are metal 3D printers. Those are super expensive. Yeah, they don't those that's not consumer grade yet. But oh, yeah. that is down the road. Those are coming. I mean, they they. Uh, I watched an Adam Savage from MythBusters. Uh, he does a thing on YouTube called Tested, and he actually put together a. Uh, he had a deal with one of the universities who had a metal printer, and he did it for the show. And he printed an Iron Man helmet. Out of metal. I mean, he he created the file, did it all up, put mm. all the doodads on it and everything else, and they printed it up. It was, it, it's the technology is there. I mean, we are we are on the cusp of 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 a whole new, I think, revolution of creation, and giving us as consumers and as creative people the freedom and the license to basically build anything that you know, whatever our heart desires or whatever we can dream up, we can build it. And I think that is an exciting time. They call them Santa Claus machines for that very reason. <laughs> yeah, the European Space Agency, even just as a test, they designed a, uh, and built with a, with a stone 3D printer. You know where it melts the stone with the you know with a very high temperature head. Obviously not consumer quite yet, but they made, made this inflatable dome, which was the form, and this little robot just ran along, ran along like in terraces up and down it. So it made this dome-shaped structure, 
And of course, that can be done on Earth as well. Plus, you could make rectilinear buildings like we normally use, you know, square or rectangular, all out of printed stone. And it's it's a strong, if not stronger, than solid stone because it literally is one piece melded together, just a whole bunch of little parts at a time that are welded together. Right. You know, it's right. molten stone right at the printhead. No, I mean that's exactly it. We talked yesterday about the 3D printing with a with concretes, and now. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, and this has nothing to do with Firearms Friday, but I'm interested in the topic. Um, they uh, recently, uh, they they for years, people have have wondered, like places like the Colosseum and some of these other places, how do they remain standing thousands of years? I mean, they were made from concrete, but it was Roman concrete, and they couldn't figure it out. And then they realized that the concrete is self-healing, and they were trying to figure out how they did that. And recently, about eight nine months ago, I saw an article. Where they talked about, they think they've discovered the 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 reason for the self healing in the concrete, and it has to do with a special mixture really? and things that they're putting in it. And so now they're talking about, could you imagine three D printing a building with self healing concrete that could literally be here a thousand years from now uh, because of the properties of the concrete itself? Uh, and again, going back to guns, being able to manufacture full polymer guns with metal parts or even machining your own pieces with a desktop CNC machine. I mean, there there is just some crazy stuff. It, it is a great time to be a tech nerd, I guess, is what I'm saying at this point, and to be a creative person and to look yeah. at those kind of things. Because I knew the Romans had fiber reinforced concrete, which we have today. They used horsehair for that, which worked fine. But but self-healing concrete, I had known they'd found that. It's sort of like the formula for the Stradivarius varnish that they used on the violins that leaves the wood, you know, the wood cells open so that they have that sweet sound that no one has ever been able to quite duplicate. Right. They've done essentially the same thing where they've, I guess, uh, forensically, you know, re-engineered the formula for that concrete. And we really should build things like that because if you can make something and it's comparable in cost, why not make something that'll last because a lot of places, like especially in the cold up here, like launch pads at the uh, Baikonur Cosmodrome are falling apart from what they call concrete cancer. Whereas where you have, you know, the huge changes in temperature, the concrete just powders and falls off. Whereas the concrete made of that, that'd be perfect for building houses and other buildings here in places like Alaska. Well, I'd love to see it. It's a fascinating topic, and we could definitely go down a rabbit hole on that. But, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things, and the 3D technology, combining some of these older technologies with the 3D technology, being able to do things. I mean, you could. there's no reason why you couldn't print uh, things like, you know, your own firearms or your own tools or things like that, uh, and then combine that with some other regular metalworking or uh, woodworking tools and things. I mean, you could create. All kinds of crates. I'm I'm excited about it. Like I said. Oh yeah, and one one last thing too. I'll, I'll email this to you also. But look on eBay in an eBay store called. It's either called Spacecrafter or the Spacecrafter. There's a lady named Annette. She's made several 3D printed model rocket parts for me, custom, and she also has a full set of her own parts and items that she 3D prints. And she, you know, our prices are very reasonable. And she also makes some firearms related type uh, items as well. And it really it gave me inspiration for all kind of parts 
that can be made using that because she's she worked in aerospace herself and she is a gun owner and and gun enthusiast as well and and she's she's a real artist in doing this she makes things that are beautiful but also functional and like i said i'll email you the link to her her store page but if you look on ebay under that name the spacecrafter or just spacecrafter that'll take you to her page and it just it's amazing what she can make <laughs> all right jason well thank you so much for calling in that was a thank interesting you. interesting topic today interesting conversation uh, folks, we're running up against it here. We're going to have to go. Uh, we got uh, Willie Waffle coming up with our weekend movie review here in a few minutes. So we'll shift gears. But uh, always a fun discussion. Always a fun discussion. We got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free-thinking radio. Don't forget to come out and check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show if you want to be part of the conversation there. We will return with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, man, that that's I'm digging it. I, I mean, I could just I could do a whole show uh, simply about the whole the, all the 3D printing technology that's out there going on overall. It's just, it's just it's amazing. It's amazing. I've done a I have a 3D printer, a resin 3D printer, and I've done some very cool stuff with it, um, uh, creating. I mean, everything from creating uh, my own uh, earbud holder to uh, creating racks for my miniature paints to printing miniatures themselves. Uh, it's very small scale, but it's fun to it's fun to do. And uh, I've been considering recently getting um, getting a uh, 3D filament printer uh, because you could do so much more with that. And uh, I've been thinking about that as well. Uh, it's it, it it's fascinating, and it's become so affordable uh I mean, it's amazing it's become very affordable and uh and the sky's the limit the sky's the limit on what you want to do um i got willie coming up but i do have one phone call so i guess we'll go over there and take the phone call right now and see what uh see what else is on people's mind before we run a clock out here on uh, what's happening good morning who's this where are you calling from Good morning, Michael. This is Steve from Fairbanks. Hey, Steve. How are you? I'm good, sir. I'll make this quick because I recognize we're bumping up against it. I've got a date change, a date change for the Alaska Peace Officers Association Memorial Shoot. Uh, that's now going to be, it was going to be July 29th. It is now going to be August 19th. That's a Saturday, August 19th. The Glock demo shoot is still Friday, uh, July 28th, 5 to 7 p.m. Okay, Steve. Well, that's uh, give, I appreciate you giving us the heads up on that. I'll tell you what. Why don't you call back in next Friday as well and remind us again during the show before we get into Willie here because we're going to jump right into it with Willie. Uh, so I won't have time to make the announcement. But why don't, you, uh, why don't you call us back next weekend and we'll get that squared away as well. Will do, sir. All right. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate your call. 
Thanks for uh, thanks for calling in. Um, all right. Well, you know what I'm going to do? Uh, I'm going to shut the phones down because I don't need to take another call. Goodbye. Uh, between now and then. Goodbye. Good, good, goodbye. Thank you. Uh, we're going to uh, continue on here and get ready to uh, jump back into it. Let me go back over to the chat room to see. Oh, maybe I should change the. I always forget. Let me do that. Oh, look at that. Changing the mood. Changing the mood around here. All right, let me go back over to the uh, to the uh, chat room to see what you're going to say. Um, that's okay, says Rick. He's got his own. I'm assuming he's talking about you've got your own lathe, you've got your own milling machine. What do you have? CNC machine? The things you can do with a bridge port and a lathe, says Bill. Oh, <laughs> huh. uh, I... I would love to have some heavy tools like that. I mean, I, I don't have the space for them right now, but, you know, if I design my dream, I, when I, and I did design my dream home at one point, but when I designed my dream home, it's got a garage, but the whole top half of the garage is about a 10, 12 by 30 foot section of nothing but space for my woodworking tools, which I currently have some woodworking tools, my printers, my desk, my resin, the a lathe, a CNC machine. I would love to have all of those things. Bandsaw. Uh, I, I I literally enjoy, for just enjoyment, relaxation, there are times when I just flick on a couple of YouTube channels that I follow, like Alex Steele, like some of these other ones, um, to just watch them create. Just the process just fascinates me. Absolutely fascinates me. Um. Uh, you have a lathe and a milling machine. Nice. Nice. Um, it's her happy place. Jeannie, Jeannie has a bridge port, uh, a bridge port, uh, milling machine, a lathe, a blast cabinet and fly cutter, flywheel cutter and, uh, welders. That sounds like fun. It just sounds like a fun, a good weekend to hang out in the shop. Good morning. Eskimo Libertarian is coming in right now. Um, the uh, uh, good morning. How are you? Um, the uh, and she's announcing that the Indian Child Welfare Act was upheld by the Supreme Court. So good news for folks there. So good enough. Oh, man. Terry is over here taking score on Harold and Randy's comments today. I don't know if that's healthy. I don't know if it's healthy for you to just keep score on Randy and Harold's comments. I don't know if that's that's a good thing or a bad thing. Just let it be. Let it be. It's a surfacer. Yeah. It's, well, I I said flywheel. Uh, it's a resurfacer, right? In my mind, that's a flywheel resurfacer for clutch things, right? I mean, there you go. All right, we got to go. Uh, phone's buzzing, and Willie Waffle is ready to jump in. MichaelDukeShow.com. Here we go. Okay, we're ready. It's the weekend. Uh, we're doing our thing. Getting started. 
WillieWaffleWaffleMovies.com comes on board to share with us the weekend entertainment and movie reviews and more. We got some good stuff to get into. Let's uh, let's dive uh, let's dive in, shall we? Good morning, my friend. You ready to go? I'm ready to go. You, I know you don't want to talk about it, but I have to talk about it. All right, talk about it. I know Pat Sajak. Yada yada. Give me the real. Pat Pat Sajak has announced that he will be retiring from Wheel of Fortune at the end of the next season. So you know, June 2024. He says hasta la vista. And that has started a scramble for the job, baby. <laughs> I mean, this oh, is, yes. It's got to be a pretty good gig. I mean, he got to retire. He should be able to retire in style. He's been doing that forever, and it's probably pretty big money. It's huge money for him. I mean, I, I, I dare say he's getting anywhere from 25 to 30 mil a year uh, doing this, uh, you know, and, and you, like you said, it's not a bad gig. Uh, you know, you you film the show pretty much over two days. You do a whole week's worth in about two days. Uh, then you you also get to travel. They do special you know episodes like going to Hawaii or going overseas. And well, that's got to be kind of fun. But there's somebody who is a little bit more nervous about all this. Somebody who realizes uh, maybe uh, she needs to think about her future too. <laughs> Who's that? Vanna Vanna White, who oh. has not announced her retirement. Yeah. And, yeah. And she said, well, she she she'd love to host the show. She'd do that in a heartbeat. Or, you know, she she could, you know, she could uh, still be the, the person who turns the letters. Right. Uh, and, and she can help them, she can help them pick the new host. And the word on the street is Vanna is gonna get an opportunity to retire because oh. her her contract ends at the end of 2024, just like Sajak's. And, uh, you know, depending on who they bring in as the host, I think Wheel of Fortune is going to want a fresh start and, and just go, 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 go straight forward into a new generation. And the new generation that they've been talking about, and I'm not happy about this, and I'm still hoping it's not true, <laughs> and I'm still rooting for so many other people, there's a rumor that uh, they want Ryan Seacrest to be the host of Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Okay, Ryan Seacrest, you can do it. I don't know who would be the letter turner at that point. I mean, you know, I just well, you know, Pat Sajak's daughter has been involved in the show in the past few years and has filled in for Vanna. And uh, there, there's a theory that maybe to soften the blow, they would bring in Pat's daughter to be the letter turner. I argue they should get rid of the job altogether and just have it be automated. Okay. And just have it be automated. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, and, and they can have they can have a, a co-host or a spokesperson uh, to be part of it, to do a lot of the things that Vanna does when it comes to, you know, promoting different sponsors and stuff. I think that would still work. Uh, and, and I think the reason Vanna is probably probably scared about about losing the job now is because if they do bring in some of the Ryan Seacrest, Ryan Seacrest wants to be in control. Right. And uh, right. it's going to be hard to be in control when, the gal who started this thing is still right across the floor. <laughs> well, I don't know what she has to worry about. Even if she made half of Pat Sajak's money over the last 25 or 30 years, she's got to be loaded. So, I mean, I, you know. I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think I think, it, I think it's a pride thing. I think it's the idea that, hey, I like working, and, you know, it's not like I'm working all that hard. I mean, right, you know, right. it's hard doing television, but it's not like working out on the on the working out on the highway, laying down the blacktop, my friends. Right, right. And it's not like she's working, <laughs> you know, seven days a week and working nights or whatever. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, all right. Well, and it's all the ancillary stuff. 
you know, going on QVC or getting a commercial gig or, or, you know, doing appearances, all those other things add up too. Well, we'll have to see what happens. I'll be watching. I'll just be watching with bated breath. You can, you, I'm, I guarantee <laughs> you, you, it'll be awesome. <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, talk about another one of my favorite things, award shows, the Golden Globes. Uh, are they here to stay or is this their death now? Well, you know, and that's the that's the question right now. Uh, so this week, Dick Clark Productions bought the rights to the Golden Globes, and part of that deal was the dissolution of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, the group that has been doing the Golden Globes, voting on the Golden Globes, owning the Golden Globes for years and years and years and years. And it was it was the controversies and the the drama that was happening with the Hollywood Foreign Press Association that really led to its downfall. And, uh, you know, the, the, you know, they had all sorts of, uh, you know, questions and stories about a lack of diversity. Uh, there was always the, the rumors that you could kind of buy an award or buy a nomination if you just kind of grease the right wheels. Uh, you know, things like that over the years just all started to add up. So, uh, you know, they, they got to the point where I, I don't even, they, they, like one year the show wasn't even on TV. I think it was like last year, you know, so, uh, at right. this point, Dick Clark Productions has taken over. We don't know who the new voters are going to be. We don't even know if they're still going to call them the Golden Globes. And and while that's a while that's a good branding, I think the brand has been damaged. And I wonder if they need to start fresh and come up with a new name. But we will find out because the show goes on in January of 2024. We don't know where. We don't know how. We don't know what form it'll be. But it'll probably be one of the biggest stories of the awards season. Well, well, I guess we'll we'll have to watch patiently to see what happens with that. I uh, again, <laughs> bated breath, bated freaking breath. That's what's going on there. Um, all right, um, let's see what else we got. Um, Netflix, they are winning the password wars. Right? I know. Yes, they totally are. So. You know, when they started cracking down on uh, people sharing those passwords, which they used to use in their marketing, by the way. I don't know if you remember, but that used to be one of their little funny marketing lines that, you know, true love is sharing your password or something like that. Right, right. Well, now now that we're losing money, if you share that password, you're a criminal and we're going to find you. And so uh, it turns out, yes, their efforts to stop people from sharing passwords, their efforts to pick up on the fact that people are not using the password within the typical home or the typical devices has paid off. In the first two days that they started cracking down, May 26th and May 27th, Netflix had nearly one hundred thousand new subscriptions they had the highest stock price that they've had in 52 weeks and uh they, they've had more new subscriptions in since they started this <laughs> than they've had in a long long time so all uh, those people who are like nah 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 you're just gonna lose me no no actually people are paying now yeah people They're are staying paying. around yeah i think <laughs> yep. but it, it what makes me wonder like you know if my kid's at college and i want to give them the password that's still a family plan does i mean it's got to be a nightmare to try and keep track of but oh uh, god i think so too i think so too and and you know, like I, I was thinking about this, like, you know, uh, like I'm, I'm going to be going on a trip and, uh, you know, uh, there, there's there's something I want to watch. I'm going to be in a hotel. Will it will will it pick up that it's still my device? Does it, does it, does it go by the IP address? I mean, like I don't know. Right. Uh, but we'll we'll find out. All right. Well, Netflix winning that password war for reals. All right. Well, let's talk about the three movies. Um, 
the these are all actually pretty good. Which one do you want to start with? I want to end with extraction, so you you choose. Okay. We will end with extraction. We will start with Elemental, which is the new Pixar movie, although that doesn't really mean what it used to mean. Uh, you know, let, let's face it, Pixar has been diluted over the years. You know, yep. all those people that made Pixar famous and made it what it was, they've all branched out and they've started working for other companies. And uh, I think it's starting to show. And and I think it shows here. I'm, I'm not talking that it's a horrible movie. It, it's, you know, I'm, I'm just going to drop it right out there. It's two and a half waffles. But it is it is a Disney animated film that's a little heavy on the message, okay? Right. Why? It's, it's, a, it's a city where, where all sorts of different elements live. The earth people, the air people, the fire people, and the water people. And those fire people, they're immigrants. They don't fit into oh the city. They keep, they keep to their own little area. But, of course, when a water person falls in love with a fire person, because opposites attract, it's going to open up all sorts of new understanding among their families. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I mean, a Pixar movie yeah. is usually, I mean, Pixar used to mean like three, three and a half, maybe four waffles. I mean, it was like a solid, you know, and yeah, they just kind of gone downhill. I, I think the last one that I really watched that enjoyed that I thought was different was, is it Encanto? Luca. Luca. The one about the Luca, little boy. Yeah, Luca. Yeah, yeah, that was good. I still think Soul was fantastic, um, you know, which really only played on streaming because it came out during the middle of COVID. But I thought that was a great movie. Right. Um, I think this movie here. You know, the sad part is the main love story, the main story we've seen a million times before. And, and you know, so there's nothing new and surprising that they're going to drop here. I mean, really, the fun is on the edges of the, of the movie. The fun is watching, you know, the fire dad who, you know, who comes to who comes to Element City with his with his family and his young child and dreams of a new world. And we see him. You know, you know, putting that together and fighting for his family and trying to run this little mini mart. I want to see more of him. You know, I want to see more of all these little funny little puns that are going on in the background that you gotta kinda keep your eyes open for. I think that's where it really where where it works. And so that's why I'm saying two and a half waffles. Disney's getting a little heavy on the message in pretty much everything they put out right now. It's uh it's unfortunate, yeah, and but it's you know, it's the truth. And they've seen they've seen a steady decline too in a lot of their their uh, financial, uh, you know, performance on these movies. I mean, Elemental, they're, they're saying they're hoping to make $35 million this weekend. There was a time where $35 million would have been Friday. Right. For them. Exactly. You know? Especially, so. <laughs> for, a, especially for a Pixar studio movie. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. let's move on to the return of Michael Keaton as the Bat. They should just call this movie The Batman Returns or something. Because this <laughs> is, know. it's The Flash. With uh, with uh, with what's his nuts? I can't remember the guy. Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller. Who's Ezra had Miller. Tons of yep. controversy, but everybody can't mm -hmm. wait to see Michael Keaton return you, as the Bat. And that's that's why they've been pushing Michael Keaton so hard because they're trying to hide Ezra Miller. He really hasn't done any publicity. He made one brief appearance on the red carpet uh, during the premiere a few a few days ago. Made one quick statement about oh, thank you to everybody who supported me, and got off the red carpet as fast as he could or as fast as they could uh which is what he prefers to be referred to as oh um so so yeah i mean what it is is the flash making a boo-boo the flash learns that there's a way to turn back time to go back in the past and maybe save his mother who was murdered but what he doesn't realize is the impact that that will have on the future. And uh, he causes a lot of messes. So he keeps trying to go back and trying to go back and trying to go back and keeps making it worse and worse and worse. 
Right. He and obviously maybe he'll finally figure it out. <laughs> he obviously never watched the butterfly effect. You know, I mean, it's just like, right, yeah. exactly. you know, or fair. You never, yeah. you never could fix it. Yeah. And yeah. and what this does and, and this is the weird part. So the flash was originally supposed to be like like almost like a, a not a reintroduction, but a, a, a push for the Justice League being a group that will be in the movies, kind of like the Avengers. But now since they made this movie they've blown up the dc universe like most of these people are, are probably not even coming back yeah that's that's <laughs> and, a little insane uh because it because it, it is because they brought what kevin F no james gunn has come over and he's gonna run yep. the he's gonna run the dc universe um yeah and and he's gonna change stuff i mean yeah he's already fired superman uh you know allegedly he's he's told the patty jenkins and gal gadot um you know we'll, we'll see a wonder woman and director uh, you know, so I think that there's a lot of questions out there, but I think what this movie does, in, and and this is this is kind of I think the, the the problem with the movie. I mean, it's so busy trying to serve nostalgia and and for lack of a better term, the nerds that it's not telling this story and making the Flash a more interesting character. Okay, and I think that they're they're bringing back a lot of stuff from the past in an extremely controversial way. And I think you and I should talk about this maybe when the big secrets get out over the next few weeks, because I honestly, and I'm just going to, I'm going to tease you right here. I think this movie will be mentioned very heavily during a Screen Actors Guild strike that's going to happen in a few weeks. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, yep. we'll revisit this in a, in a few, in a few weeks. And what's the, what's the waffle meter saying? Uh, you know, I'm at about two waffles. It's, it's, you know, I love Michael Keaton. It's fun seeing Michael Keaton again. And that's probably the thing that saves the movie. <laughs> wow. Uh, I've heard that from several people already. All right. Yeah. Um, final movie, the one I've been waiting for extraction Two. Chris Hemsworth. Give it to me. We got about 90 seconds here. Do you like stuff that blows up? Oh yeah. Well, then there you go. Hey. Okay. No, this is, this is, this is a pure action movie. Okay. I mean, it, I will admit has one of the greatest action sequences I've ever seen as there's a prison break, at least really all that worth paying attention to. That's okay. I'm still going to watch it. So just, I know you are. Hush, you're going to love it. Hush you're your going to call me an idiot. <laughs> all right, folks. Thanks <laughs> for coming Waffle, in. WaffleMovies.com. Folks, we're out of time. We will see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. You know, again, I'm not looking for Citizen Kane. I am looking for action. I'm looking for, you know, yeah. a little bit of heart. I'm looking for, I mean, the end of Extraction 1 was like, oh, my God, man, the tearjerker. Like, that was that was rough. That was a brutal, brutal. And then you're like, is there more? I don't know. Uh, now, of course, we know there is more, but I am I love it. I mean, I, I thought the first Extraction movie was one of the best action movies of its genre in forever. Just, I mean, I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, and I think the action's awesome here. I you can't deny the stunt work, the action, the the way they put together these elaborate scenes. It's fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And if that's what you want to see, you're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, the director, I remember seeing a little vignette or something. They actually had to build in the first one. They actually had to build this car with a camera around it, so they could shoot a lot of the chasing because the chase scenes are just off this out of the world it's amazing all right well two waffles we'll see we'll see if i think you're crazy or not 
Uh, next week, what are we doing? You, huh? Well, next week, you know, we've got the Jennifer Lawrence movie. Uh, that, that one is, <laughs> of course, No Hard Feelings, which okay. looks funny okay. if you're into a raunchy comedy. And, and you know, I guess we'll probably talk about the Asteroid City movie. I think that's coming out nationwide next week. That, uh, that looks know. so crazy. That I mean, that trailer it, for that is just yeah. so bizarre. I just, uh, it almost makes me want to watch it just because of how bizarre it is. Uh, yes. All right. Well, Willie Waffle, wafflemovies.com. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. We will talk again next week. Have a good one. All right. Talk to you soon. All right, folks. We're out of time. I hope you guys have a happy, is it Father's Day weekend? It's Father's Day weekend. I know what I'm doing on Sunday. Nothing. We'll see you guys then. Have a great weekend. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show